Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. We are continuing our series, our second sermon uh, in the series called Skill Set. The Wisdom of Proverbs and the Art of Godly Living. And you'll remember that uh, Proverbs of Godly Living. And wisdom is not the same as information. Information we can just look up on our phones. But wisdom is an art form. It's a continual knowledge about life and the way that God has created life to work that we commit ourselves to learn. And sometimes wisdom for one situation isn't wisdom for another situation. And that's why wisdom is an art form. Today we're going to be talking about wisdom and the heart. Wisdom and our emotions. And we're going to be looking at Proverbs 4.23. We'll start there, but then we'll be jumping around the Bible. Let me read Proverbs 4.23 and then I'll pray. Proverbs 4.23 simply says this, Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flows the springs of life. Another version says, guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that as we look at your word this morning, you would grow us in our relationship with you and in wisdom. We pray that we would have open hearts this morning and that you would teach us about who you are and what it means to know you. And all God's people said, amen. Question for you. Does God want you to be happy? Does God want you to be happy? Does God care about your happiness? Does he care about your happiness? Well, we certainly do. We care about our happiness, and it seems that every year uh, we are more and more concerned with what it means to be happy and how we get our hands on happiness to the point that our culture is obsessed with what it means to be happy and how we can become happy. Psychology Today reports that in, t- in the year 2000, 50-50 books were written about how to become happy. 50 books. But by 2008, just eight years later, 50 books had turned into 4,000. 4,000 books on how to become happy. Not only have authors taken a stab at it, but science has as well. In the 80s and 90s, there might be about 100 studies a year on human happiness. But by 2014, just a few decades later, a couple hundred went to 10,000 scientific studies a year on how to be happy. 10,000 scientific studies researching how we as humans can be happy. Higher education is also taking a stab at it. In 2017, Yale University had their most popular course ever. Psychology 157 was called Psychology and the Good Life. And it was about human happiness. 
and one-fourth of the entire student body, one-fourth of all the students at Yale took Psychology 157, Psychology and the Good Life. See, we are very concerned with our happiness, and we, we're, we're trying to reach out and find happiness. We're trying to be happy. We're trying to figure out how we can live a happy life. It's interesting, though. It seems to elude us. Happiness seems to slip through our fingers, as Bob Dylan said. Don, students are becoming masters of appearing happy at significant costs. Many students have begun to see what they post on Facebook especially as a chore, a homework assignment to build a happy facade. So it's interesting, if I were to ask who wants to be happy, everyone would raise their hands. And we're chasing happiness, we're even faking happiness, but we're not actually happy. We don't know how to be happy. And so we, we come back to that question. Does God want us to be happy? Does he care about our happiness? Well, happiness is an emotion. It's a feeling. And we as human beings have emotions and feelings because we're created in the image of God. God, as a being, has feelings and emotions. And being made in his image, we have feelings and emotions just like he does. 1 Kings 11 says this, the Lord was angry. The Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. He had commanded him about this so that he would not follow other gods, but Solomon did not do what the Lord commanded. There we see the Lord feeling the emotion of anger. But what about this one in Zephaniah 3.17? The Lord your God is among you a warrior who saves. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will be quiet in his love. He will delight in you with singing. There we see God having the emotion of joy over his people. And when we get to the New Testament, we see that Jesus is a man of emotion. He has compassion on the sick. The shortest verse in the Bible says Jesus wept. And therefore, we, as people made in the image of God, have emotions. We, we tend to forget this. Uh, we tend to forget that this is part of being human. You can go to the next slide. If you're familiar with um, Spock from Star Trek, right? Now, Spock has trouble with his emotions because Vulcans rely on logic and reason. And so he never quite knows what to do with human emotion. Uh, in the Hindu story, in the Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna is this character that's on the left there in the center, and he is a great warrior, and he's called to go into battle. And he doesn't know what to do with all his feelings, because he's called to go into battle against his own family, who's on the other side. And he's instructed, just act. We know you feel things, but Ignore those feelings and do your duty. Uh, these are two ways that we as humans struggle with the idea of emotions, thinking over feeling or acting over feeling. But having emotions is just part of being human. And Proverbs tells us to feel things is human. Hope delayed makes the heart sick. 
but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. How many of you have hoped for something to happen and it didn't happen and it didn't happen and it didn't happen and it just crushed your spirit? That's human. That's what it means to be human and feel. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. How many of you have had something happen in your life that you that was so exciting and fulfilling that it felt like a cure, that it felt like medicine? Uh, Proverbs just says to feel is to be human. And now each of us as different human beings, we have different levels of emotion. Some of us have very vivid emotions. Like the littlest thing happens and we're so excited. And some others of us are a little bit more flat with our emotions. It's not that we don't feel, it's just less vivid. Now even some cultures are more emotionally expressive and some cultures are less emotionally expressive. Some cultures are more about feelings and some are less about feelings. And one of the things that we have to watch out for in our church is that we don't assign spiritual value to more emotions or less emotions. Sometimes people who are more prone towards expressing emotion can see people who are less prone to spiritual emotion, to emotion and go, well, they're less spiritual because they're less expressive or vice versa. Listen, we all have different levels of emotional expression, and the Bible doesn't necessarily attach attach a spiritual value to how emotionally expressive we are. In our cultural moment, though, we've seen that feelings and emotions are becoming more of an authority in every person's life. So when you used to want to discuss an issue with someone, you would say, tell me what you think about this issue. And that person would say, I think, and then they would state their opinion. What we've seen in the language in our country is when you ask someone what they think, they don't say, well, I think. They say, now, I feel. I feel this. And one of the challenges in our country is everyone feels all sorts of different things. And one of the reasons why our country is so divided right now is we all feel different things about different things and our emotions and our feelings are conflicting with each other. Sometimes even our emotions lead us down the wrong path. Another thing we hear is follow your heart, but what happens when your heart leads you to do something foolish? I'm a big Liverpool football club fan and uh, several years ago we had a player named Luis Suarez, and he was an emotive player. He was electric on the field. He would take these risks and score these goals, and the whole stadium would erupt, and we would cheer. But there would be times when following his feelings would get him in trouble. In this particular match, Luis Suarez on the right decided to bite a player from Chelsea. And this is right after it happened. And everyone in the world saw it happen. And he tried to pretend like no one saw. But we're like, Lewis, you can't bite people when you're mad at them. Well, Lewis went to pay for his country in the World Cup. And in the World Cup, he bit another player again. And all of us who love Lewis were like, Lewis, you've got to get in control of your feelings, man. You've got to stop biting people. Of course he got in trouble, but it's just an example. Sometimes we follow our feelings, and it takes us places that we don't want to go. It takes us places we don't want to go. Well, all our feelings and our emotions, uh, they come from 
our heart. They come from our heart. And the heart is the deepest part of you. It's where your emotions come from, but also your thoughts and your will and your choices. It's the seed of all those things. It's the center of all those things. And the heart is mentioned 70 times in the book of Proverbs. 70 times Proverbs is trying to tell us how to be wise about our hearts. And here's why. Because some amazingly beautiful and good things can come out of our hearts. But also some amazingly dark things can come out of our hearts as well. And we need wisdom to know the difference. You know, when Adam and Eve, in the beginning of the Bible, were told by God, you can do whatever you want in the garden, just don't eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. That's it. That's all you don't have to do. The Bible says that Eve saw the fruit, and it was desirous. The one thing God said, don't do that, there was something in her heart that said, I want to do that. And then when Eve and Adam ate the apple, sin came and corrupted everything. Sin was like a virus that was downloaded into God's creation, into every part, so that everything is not the way it's supposed to be, including our hearts. Our hearts have downloaded the virus of sin. So our hearts are actually quite confused about what it means to find happiness. There's something in us that says, I don't need just a little bit of stuff. I need a lot of stuff. I need more than you. There's something in our heart that says, I'm not happy with my spouse. I want that person and that person and that person as well. There's something in our hearts that says, rather than finding fulfillment in serving you, I want to serve me. And this is why Jesus' teaching on the heart is hard to hear, but quite accurate. Here's what Jesus says about the heart in Mark 7, 21 through 23. For from within, out of people's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy. Okay, Jesus, we're, we're, we're there, we're there with you, but he keeps going envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these things come from within and defile a person. See, what what Jesus is trying to tell us is that not everything that comes out of our heart is good. And if we follow our hearts, we might be following our hearts away from God, away from the very things that he wants for us and has commanded us to do. That's why Proverbs 21.2 says, all a person's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. That doesn't mean, well, God really knows that I'm sincere in everything. What that means is, from your perspective, everything you do seems right. But from God's perspective, he goes and looks at what you're doing in your life and in your heart, and he judges that not according to your standards, but according to his. Every person thinks that everything they do is right and natural and they have a good reason for it, but that's not how God thinks about it. What that means is not that, is that not everything that feels good is actually good. 
We hope you're inspired by God's word. What have you learned so far? As you listen, pray about applying it to your life. Let's continue in God's word. Not everything that feels good is actually good. I'm concerned because there's a growing movement. There's a growing movement of authors and podcasts um, who have really tapped into this vein, particularly with women. And they have found uh, a lot of women have been dissatisfied with their place in the world. They have felt restricted in their homes or they felt restricted by the church or they felt like their hearts are not alive. And that's real, and that's true. But I find that there's more and more books that are saying the way that you really come alive is not to give your heart to God, but rather to do exactly what your heart wants, even if it means rebelling against God. In fact, one of these books that just came out said, uh, here's the right thing that Eve did. She ate the apple, and you should too. That's the way your heart comes alive, is by doing whatever you want to do. And I understand that many women have felt restricted and they felt like their hearts are not alive, but the way to make your heart come alive is not by rebelling against God and doing everything that you want to do. It's like, it's like it, put that Proverbs uh, 21 back up, please. It, it, it's almost as if this movement is saying all a person's ways seem right to him, so follow your heart. But that's not the wisdom that we need, the wisdom that we need is all the ways, all a person's ways seem right to him, but we need to look to the Lord to see what is right and wrong. The challenge is, even in our pursuit of happiness, step out of the Christian world, in, step out of the Bible for just a second, and, and people aren't even sure what will make their heart happy. That psychology class at Yale was taught by Professor Lori Santos. And she said one of the first things that she has to do in the class is teach people not to follow their hearts. Not to follow their hearts. Because they always think that accomplishing certain things will give them happiness. And Santos says our intentions about what will make us happy, like winning the lottery and getting a good, a good grade, are totally wrong. In other words, people come to take this class, show me how to be happy, show me how to get everything that I want out of life, and she's like, that's the wrong place to start. That will make you miserable. So apart from even being a Christian, just talking about people in general, our hearts tell us what we want to make us happy, and that's not even what makes us happy. So our hearts need to be analyzed our hearts, as Proverbs 4.23 says, need to be guarded. Guard your heart above all else. Keep your heart with all vigilance. That word guard or keep is a strong word. You can picture a man standing on the wall of a castle looking out into the darkness to see any enemy that might come towards the castle to hurt it. And we're told to be that watchman. Because if you're a Christian, you have been given a new heart. You have been given a heart through the work of Jesus Christ that now wants to follow God. 
There was a time when you shook your fist at God, but when you turned away from your sins and you gave yourself to Jesus, when you trusted in his work on the cross, God put a new heart in you that now wants to follow God, that loves God. And there's still part of you that wants to do your own thing. There's still part of your heart that says, don't follow God, follow yourself. And in, that, in light of that, in light of that new heart that we have, that is the very reason that we have to guard our hearts against things like temptation. Because our hearts will tell us, God won't make you happy, sin will make you happy. And when we hear that voice, we have to guard our hearts. We have to guard our hearts against idols because there's something in our hearts that still says, even though God loves you, replacing God is what will actually make you happy. So we have to guard our heart against idols. We have to guard our heart against beliefs because there is so much in the culture that, uh, that tries to woo our hearts. There's so much in our culture that says true life isn't found with Jesus. True life is found doing this or that or this. I've been talking through with my kids lately. Uh, we've been watching advertisements. And when an advertisement comes on the screen, we unpack it. And what we have found is that the product being advertised really has nothing to do with the rest of the advertisement. So they're portraying in the advertisement what it means to be young and wealthy and sexy and have lots of friends. And it's like a commercial for a tire gauge or something like that. Like it has nothing to do with the product because advertisers aren't going after your logic they're going after your hearts. They want you to believe that if you drink this soda, your life will be incredibly different. And so our hearts are always being wooed to believe that life isn't found in walking with God, but rather is found in doing something on our own and finding life elsewhere. And so above all else, guard your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence. In the season of coronavirus, we guard our health. In the season of financial uncertainty, we keep our hands on our finances. Uh, we're very particular and guarded about our social media persona or message, but are we guarding our hearts? The reason we're to guard our hearts is because from it flows the springs of life. From it flows the springs of life. Right there we need to pay attention. Uh, because we live our lives thinking that something out there will make us happy in here. If I can get something out there and bring it in, that's where happiness is. That's where life is. But what this verse says is, go back one. From it flows out life. Not outside in, but inside out. And so you and I are constantly going, if I only had more money, if I only had the love of that person, if I only had the respect of my family, if I only had that car, that house, that apartment, whatever. And we're constantly trying to fill the void in our hearts with these things. When Proverbs is saying, from inside, Inside out is where life flows. But here's the problem. Jesus has already told us what flows out of our hearts. The very things that God 
says are wrong. So what's the solution? Well, here's what Jesus says. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. See, the beautiful thing is that though our hearts naturally produce things that are not pleasing to God, the heart of Jesus was to come and die for sinners like you and me. Though we didn't deserve it, though we didn't love him, he first loved us and went to the cross on our behalf. And when you believe in him, when you turn away from running your own life, when you turn away from following yourself and follow him, you receive complete and full forgiveness. And Jesus comes to dwell in your life, in your heart. Jesus himself, the source of all joy, the source of all forgiveness, the source of all love, the source of all life comes to dwell in you so that you can live your life with rivers of Jesus' living water flowing out of you. He fills your empty soul and then brings rivers of living water by empowering you with his love, by filling you with his spirit. God himself lives in you. Scotty Smith says this, True life does not flow into us from external circumstances. Rather, true life flows out of us from the internal fullness of the Holy Spirit. In other words, true life, true happiness is found in relationship with Jesus and God coming to live inside of you, filling you rejoicing over you with his love, guiding you, forgiving you, showing you mercy. So back to our original question. Does God want you to be happy? Does God care about your happiness? That question is too small. That question is too small. Listen to what Paul writes to the Ephesians in chapter 3. According to the riches of God's glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. What's your inner being? Your heart. Next slide. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, with all the other believers, what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That when Jesus comes to live inside of you, when he comes to direct your heart, you might find strength in the midst of life's sorrows. You might find joy in the most challenging hardships. That you might sense God's love for you when you feel utterly lonely. That you might have his supernatural power even when you fail. That your heart might be filled and overflowing with his joy 
and his love and his very presence. Does God want you to be happy? God wants you to know him and experience him and have faith in his son. And wisdom with the heart starts with inviting Jesus into your life to direct you, to reign over you, and to fill you with his love. That changes everything. It gives you a new heart. It gives you a new joy. And it gives you a new freedom. So people of God, guard your new heart in Christ above all else. For from it is the source of life, the living water that only Jesus can bring for eternity. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you would associate with people like us. But not only that, you would come and die. We thank you for your self-sacrificial heart. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would change us, make us more like you. Those places where we're not following you, but, but following our hearts away from you, help us to have repentance. The places where our hearts feel lonely, And dead, Lord, would you make them alive in you. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can trust you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.